Hey, y'all, Lucas from the Fantasy Football Fellas here. Before we get into today's episode, want to announce a massive giveaway we are running right now. For hitting 100,000 followers on TikTok, we are giving away a $500 NFL game day experience to a regular season game of your choosing as a token of our gratitude. You can earn up to 15 entries into this giveaway. Listen closely. I'm about to tell you how you can enter. First step, click on the link in the description. It is the only way to enter into this giveaway. You can't join in any other way possible. Once you're done signing up, you'll need to complete at least one or more of the next methods I'm about to list off to officially be entered. You will see them once you are done signing up. There's a whole list of them. You have to do it through the link in our in our description here. You'll gain one entry by following us on Twitter. Joining our Discord will get you two entries. Following our podcast on Spotify gets you three entries. You'll get four entries for subscribing to our YouTube channel. And lastly, if you use our code fellas over on Underdog Fantasy, you'll get five entries into this giveaway. So you total all those up, you get 15 entries into a $500 NFL game day giveaway. Entry into the giveaway closes August 8th, so make sure you go get entered into that right now. Go click on the link in the description, complete one of those methods I just mentioned, and you'll be entered into a $500 NFL game day giveaway experience. What's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Fellows Podcast. We're out here recording on Thursday. You'll begin this episode on Friday. Got a great episode coming up for you today. It is just Lucas and Tyler with a special guest. But Tyler, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing I'm doing good. I'm glad it's almost the end of the week. And I've got a nice little, I, I'll call it a getaway. It's a little retreat thing next week. So I'll be gone next week. But I'm glad that I can make it for this episode because I got a feeling that this one's going to be a, be a good one. This is a great episode. This is a great episode because we have a special guest joining us today. Uh, he's a contributor over at Football Guys, expert ranker on Fantasy Pros. That's kind of a big deal. Uh, when I saw that news come out, I was like, holy crap, he's made it. Um, he's, a host, he's a host of the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. He's got over 21,000 followers on Twitter. Just a master of threads over there. Love, love reading his threads every day. And maybe the best part, though, th- this is my best part about you, Um uh, you love DeAndre Swift more than we do, probably. Uh, Alex Caruso <laughs> joins the podcast today. Alex, thanks for hopping on today, man. We're excited to have you on. Yeah, fellas, as they say, is that, is that what they call you guys? No, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I, I don't think there's many people that are probably more confident in, in DeAndre Swift than I am. It's kind of become a part of the brand. At this point, over my left shoulder, you can see a little little sign Swift. Yeah. Yeah. So, you got know, to stay on brand, but nonetheless, I'm excited to mock with you guys. I'm excited to be here, and I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're thankful you were, you're able to come on and, and squeeze some time in for, uh, for the fellows today. We appreciate that. Yeah, we, uh, we got Mock Draft 3.0 for you all today, and what better way to uh, get all of Alex's thoughts on fantasy football than to literally just have him discuss a variety of players in a mock draft, why limit his knowledge to just breakouts or undervalued players? Let's just have him discuss every player possible. Uh, so we have our mock draft 3.0 coming at you. Uh, 12 team, half PPR draft, uh, one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end flex, five bench players. We'll explain our picks in real time too. We'll keep this thing moving, <clears throat> excuse me, moving along. Uh, but we'll, we'll give you some analysis on our picks in real time. Alex struck gold. Well, I think he struck gold. Uh, first overall pick in this draft, uh, Tyler is at pick number five and I'm all the way down to pick number 10. So thankfully we won't have too much sniping going on. 
Uh, it seems like in our past couple of mock drafts, we've uh, had quite a bit of sniping action going on, which is just fun, but we're all pretty spaced out here. So, so I'm looking forward to, to getting this draft rolling. Um, with that, I don't think the people need to hear anything more. Let's, uh, let's just dive on into this mock draft right away. Alex, you're officially on the clock. Officially on the clock. This is a, this is a tough pick. I, I, you go back and forth at this pick. I, I think nine times out of 10, I'm probably going to take Jonathan Taylor, but I think it depends on my league size and anything 12, 14 or 16. If I'm in one of those leagues, I'm probably going Christian McCaffrey because I think he has more league breaking type upside than yep. Jonathan Taylor. This is 12. I think we're going to play it safe today and go with JT. But I, I do not think people should be ruling out, you know, CMC and, you know, drafts that are longer than than 12, sorry, than 10 people. Anything that's 12 or more, I'm definitely considering CMC at number one. I think we're all in the same boat there. Um, Cameron would come on and tell you that Christian McCaffrey is is the, the truth and the way, right? Like just take him number one, no matter what. But I think I side with you. I, I side with the safety more than anything else, but... Absolutely. He should be in consideration. If he's not one, he's two. That's where I kind of come to at the end of the day. Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry off the board next. Tyler, up to you at pick five. Man, <laughs> I I want to take Justin Jefferson here, but I've done that in another mock, so I feel like I got to switch it up <laughs> a little bit here. Um, I'm going to go grab... I'm going to grab Najee Harris. And I know some people may say that's a little early for Najee. I'm not overly concerned about the reduced workload that he may have this year. If he still finishes with 50 catches, that's good enough for me. And you know what he's going to give you on the ground. So I'll go with Najee at five. Yeah. Najee's had a lot of questions around the volume. I'm not too concerned about it. If you're not too I don't think it's anything worth being concerned about bottom line. Um, Receptions will come down, but that's why you're not taking him top three this year because that's what made him top three last year. Uh, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon off the board afterwards. Uh, I'm either looking at Jamar Chase or DeAndre Swift here. I would love to get both, but I don't think I'm going to be able to. And because I really want to prioritize the running back in the first round and make sure I get that on lock, I feel like there's a little bit of a fall off after DeAndre Swift at the position. So I'm going to take DeAndre Swift at pick 10. Devontae Adams, C.D. Lamb, Travis Kelsey, Jamar Chase on the turn. This is fine with me because I'm still going to end up with Stefan Diggs. Um, Stefan, he's my wide receiver for this year. Frankly, if I can walk out of the first round at the tail end of the first round with a top seven running back, which DeAndre Swift is my running back seven, and a top five wide receiver, which Stefan Diggs is for me, uh, I am more than happy to walk out with that at the tail end of the first round. Probably my favorite spot to draft from is right around the tail end of the first round this year. Mark Andrews, Tyree Kill, Alvin Kamara, Nick Chubb. Tyler, back to you. I would look receiver here, but um, I think it's a little early for any wide receiver here at the two, uh, what is it, two eight, two oh eight. So I'm looking at the running backs, and there's one running back that's sticking out. That's Aaron Jones. I have him finishing as a top 10 running back this year. The receiving upside is going to be there this year. And who knows? He could he could turn in some rushing touchdowns. And I don't know. I, I feel like he's a relatively safe bet for a top 10 finish this year. You like to think with Devontae Adams leaving, that opens up more receiving opportunities for Aaron Jones. I think that's Bingo. the big thing. People will discuss, how can you like Aaron Jones with A.J. Dillon there? Well, I'm not drafting Aaron Jones to be a workhorse. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah. So receiving upside. Absolutely. Josh Allen, Debo Samuel, Mike Evans, Alex, back to you on the turn. Yeah, I think I think I know exactly who I'm going for here, and I think it's Saquon Barkley. I mean, the Giants yeah. are the fourth most improved offensive line. Saquon's been on pace for 50 plus catches every year of his career, and if you look at this little, you know, running back one likely formula that I created in a thread <laughs> on Twitter recently, it basically said that like the last nine running backs have all been 25 years old or younger at that point in the season. Six straight running backs have been drafted in the top 12 that later finish as the running back one overall. And the running back one overall is not repeated in over 15 years now, which leaves us with just four running backs. DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris, who each of you guys both have, Saquon Barkley, who I'm about to take, and the final guy that fits this list that I might I might take some flack for this pick, but the more I talk about this player, the more I'm falling in love, and it's Javante Williams is the last oh. player and I think that so often with fantasy football, I think rather than players and skill sets, you have to look at archetypes. And I think Javante Williams fits the perfect archetype to finish as the running back one overall this year. I know Melvin Gordon's there. I know that Melvin Gordon is far more talented than Marlon Mack or Naeem Hines. But I think it's pretty interesting that Javante Williams is going to improve in year two. Russell Wilson is now in that offense. He set the highest broken tackle rate of any running back in PFF history over the last 16 years as a rookie and had the highest of all time. And then they dropped Melvin Gordon's salary by almost 70% this year. And my colleague, Cecil Lamy at Football Guys, said he's heard whispers. He's a Broncos beat, re- beat reporter that Javante Williams, it may be the Javante Williams show this year and that Melvin Gordon will be more of a backup than the actual guy. But here's the last thing I'll say, and I'll let Tyler pick. But <laughs> the other thing that's, that's really important here is the fact that Javante Williams was already the running back 17 last year while never exceeding 60% of the snaps except the one game that Melvin Gordon missed. And Melvin Gordon played 40-plus percent of the snaps in every single game that he played last year. So if his snaps even come down a touch, Javante Williams gets better and this offense gets better, the sky is the limit for Javante Williams this year. I I absolutely love that analysis. Um, I, I, I want to ask a question about the strategy, Please. though. Um so you went three running backs off rip. Is that yeah. something you're looking to do actively? Is that kind of dependent on your draft position? Because I'm, I'm a huge advocate of just like draft running back as early and often as you can, because there's so few, you know, far and few between um, you went three in a row right away. Yeah. I think that I went three in a row right away where we were in the draft. And I think that's just kind of how it, it fell to me, you know, where it was because it's these like, Barkley, Javante Williams, and then Jonathan Taylor at the 1.01 are like three of my favorite players to take in drafts. And it just happened that they all fell into my lap. And there wasn't like if if Mike Evans or Debo Samuel was there, I probably would have taken one of them, but they got taken right before me. So I don't often draft three running backs early, but running backs that are over, you know, 26 or older have a much higher injury history, like a sorry, a much higher rate of getting injured. And now I have three running backs that are all under 25 like or 25 or under on my fantasy football team that all fit these narratives that I talked about that could be the running back one overall this year. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those are the exact guys that I want that are younger running backs that are less likely to get hurt and just have a crap ton of upside. And I think it's also what you're confident in is your own strategy of who you are as a player. And I think my best skill is evaluating wide receivers and running backs is where I struggle a little bit more. So I'd rather take more sure things at running back early and trust myself on QB tight end and wide receiver later on. I love that you mentioned focusing on like your own strengths within fantasy football too. Cause I feel like too many times we focus on 
play the board, see who other people are going to take, know your league mates. It's like, okay, well, do you know your, do you, do you know how, what, like what you're best at evaluating at too? I think that's a big part of it. So I love that you brought that yeah. up. All right, Tyler, Leonard Fournette, Patrick Mahomes, Cam Akers went right before you. What are you thinking here? Man, I love Ezekiel Elliott right here, but I can't pull myself to do it right here because I've already got two running backs. And there's the safest wide receiver, probably in all of fantasy football, right there as well, in Keenan Allen. I think I gotta go grab Keenan Allen. Yeah. I think that's I think that's a fairly straightforward pick. When you when you have Keenan Allen, what he's been over 145 targets for the past four seasons, uh, literally Mr. Consistent top 12 finish, top 13, 12, 12, 13 finish, excuse me. But to have that as your wide receiver one after stacking Najee and Aaron Jones the first two rounds. You gotta love that. Mm-hmm. James Conner, Kyle Pitts, Ezekiel Elliott, AJ Brown, back to me. I'm looking at a few different names here. Um, I'm looking at T. Higgins, first and foremost, David Montgomery, Brees Hall, if I want to sure up at, at running back. Um, Travis Etienne is there. I think what I'm going to do, oh, that's a long way around, though. Hmm. I think I am going to go out and get my wide receiver two. I'm going to draft T Higgins after coming back from his injury last year. He was the wide receiver nine in fantasy. Um, oh my goodness. This just fell to me perfectly. He was a wide receiver nine fantasy after returning from injury last year. Uh, and frankly, like if I go running back heavy, the first two rounds and T Higgins falls to me at the end of the second round, I'd be thrilled to have him as my wide receiver one. So uh, big things coming for T Higgins. I think this year, and this one's a no brainer to me. Uh, Alex, you've been all over this on Twitter with all of your rookie running back stats, uh, have frequently borrowed them, uh, for, for content. Uh, it, it's Brees Hall. Uh, Brees Hall is probably one of my favorite players to draft this year. Um, you know, Alex, I'll even let you spew the stat since it's your, since it's your numbers, your <laughs> metrics, you're, you're the, you're the man who's done the research on it. I'll let you spew out the stats on why Brees Hall is just, I, I think a home run pick this year. Yeah, Brees Hall is a home run pick in, in any fantasy format, whether it's redraft, dynasty, best ball, like however you're doing it. And I mean, it starts with the fact that he's one of six running backs to ever get a 99 overall grade from next gen stats. The other five running backs to do that are Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Melvin Gordon, Nick Chubb, and Travis Etienne. Take it one step further. You know, over the last 10 years of, in the history of next gen stats, they're of every running back to ever get a 90 plus grade, not 99, 90. Every single running back to hit a 90 plus grade has a top 12 finish in fantasy football. But it gets better with the historical precedent at rookie yep. running back. There's been a rookie running back to finish top 15 in over 10 straight years. A rookie running back has finished top 10 in nine of the last 10 years, people. And a rookie running back has finished top six in fantasy football in five of the last six years who else is going to do it this year it's going to be Brees hall he has the talent and also let me just throw in the small little fact that you know in terms of relative athletic score he was graded out as the second most athletic running back in the last 16 years the only running back ahead of him is saquon barkley he's more athletic than any other running back to walk through the nfl draft except saquon barkley has this 99 grade from next gen stats and as the rookie precedent that they always do well every single year 
and the Jets have an improved offensive line. Their offense could hold him back, absolutely, but he's a much better pass catcher than people realize. Their offensive line is improving. So if Zach Wilson truly does have that dog in him, like we seem to think that he does and he's shown <laughs> over this summer, then there's a lot of big potential for Brees Hall this year. So so then what do you have to say to people who, who think Michael Carter, fourth-round pick, is still an imminent threat? Like my argument has always just been, Brees Hall is the more athletic freak. He is like, you don't just go up and, and spend a second round pick on the best running back in the NFL draft to then just have a fourth round pick who wasn't even your starting running back last year, Vulture carries from him. Yeah, and I, I think you said it perfectly. You don't draft a guy like that, you know, unless that they they have the the workload and the necessary. And I think that Brees Hall, I mean, there's a number of metrics that point out like that he's actually a very solid pass catcher. And it's not like Michael Carter is an otherworldly pass catcher because people like to highlight that Michael Carter is going to be the third down back and Brees Hall can't catch passes like he's Nick Chubb. He's not Nick Chubb. Right. He, like, he has a lot of really good metrics that point to him being a good pass catcher. But last year that Michael Carter only had three plus targets in games where Zach Wilson like did not like did not play. There was one game that he had three targets where Zach Wilson played, but it was the game that he got hurt against New England and he threw 10 passes and the targets were from Mike White. So Michael Carter is not this like otherworldly pass catching back people expect him to be. And all reports out of beat reporters and team officials and people like that that are reporting on Twitter are saying that Brees Hall is going to get about two thirds of the work to start. But again, I think people are going to be frustrated early that he's not going to get all the work because he's a rookie coming straight off. But I think we're going to see a similar run that we saw Jonathan Taylor go on at the end of last season where he might really break free at the end of this year. Yeah, I, I am just in love with Brees Hall. And yeah, the, typically you want to avoid running backs, you know, running back dead zone rounds four to six, seven, somewhere in that range. I'd like Brees Hall is, I think, probably the most surefire thing I can draft in the fourth round when I look Agreed. at some of these other players. So, yeah, no, thanks for thanks for sharing your insights there. That was – I. Sure. It was all your all your analysis, so got to give got to give you the credit there. Uh, Travis Etienne, Deontay Johnson, Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins, Tyler. Back to you. I'm going to grab my wide receiver two here, and I've been known to be very in on Michael Pittman. I've been known to be very in on DJ Moore, and that's who I'm going with. I'm going with DJ Moore. And I know that he's not the most sexy of stat lines that he had last year. But when you look at the fact that he had a 28% target share in the offense last year, and he had the second most uncatchable targets with 56 targets, I think there's upside for volume. And when your team only passes for 14 total touchdowns and you get four of those, I think (laughs) it explains a lot. And now that Baker's in town, I'm going to trust Baker a little bit more than Darnold. Not a whole lot, but just a little bit more. And I can trust the upside with DJ Moore because I have a floor with Keenan Allen. I like how you I like how you paired the two there. That you have Keenan Allen, you can you can shoot for a bit more upside with DJ Moore, even though he's already a, a pretty safe bet with 150 targets each of the past three seasons. Right, uh, man, man is a volume machine. DK Metcalf, think- oh, go ahead, Alex. Yep. You're good. I think you're crazy for taking DJ Moore over Michael Pittman. I, I think I think Michael I think Michael Pittman. I, I love DJ Moore. He's one of my favorite players. But I I think you're for just for taking DJ Moore over Michael Pittman. I think that's wild to me. I mean, like they're both commanding like sign like very significant targets like already. Like they both were high in the unreal like the uncatchable passes and like among the players that had the most uncatchable targets. 
but Michael Pittman has a lot less competition. His quarterback is a lot more accurate than DJ Moore is, and Michael Pittman has actually scored some touchdowns. I love DJ Moore, the player. I love the fact that DJ Moore is an amazing talent, but Michael Pittman has scored some more touchdowns. He has less competition and a more accurate quarterback. And, you know, DJ Moore is heading into what year, year four or five. And Michael Pittman is heading into his third year in the NFL, has already cleared top 20% marks all time in beating man, zone, and press coverage, according to reception perception, and just his second year of the league. I don't, I'm not hating on your DJ Moore pick. I love DJ Moore, but Michael Pittman is going to be the real deal this year. So, can I guess who you're going to take? Here now with your, your, your pick. I mean, did you just explain your pick? I'll zoom in here and you can make your pick. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm surprised that he made it to me here, but I'm gonna grab grab Michael Pittman for sure. I'm disappointed that you know I, I'm happy that Mike Williams is here for me to take right after Michael Pittman, but I am really disappointed that the another guy that I want is probably not gonna make it back to me. But I think that Mike Williams is a phenomenal pick here where you can get him. Like I think that he's amazing. Like people don't realize that I know he was inconsistent, but Mike Williams is literally the wide receiver 12 last year in PPR. You know, with that bad knee injury, he was just absolutely ridiculous. He's 27 years old. He just got paid 20 million a year, which says they have full confidence in him and everything that he was doing already to begin with. He had the lowest eight out of his career last year. And he said on the PFF podcast, my role is changing. I'm the X receiver now. I'm not just the deep threat that, you know, they're hoping for the deep balls that you guys are used to. Like, I'm the guy that they want winning and, like, throwing the ball to day in and day out. And that's what he showed early in the season before the knee injury. And he still showed it at the end of the season when he started to look a little bit healthier. And the biggest thing is that he's going into his prime at 27 years old. Keenan Allen's efficiency has dropped in four or five straight years. Keenan Allen is still fantastic. But we could legitimately see a changing of the guard this year in Mike Williams. And the other part is he's had 40 end zone targets over the last three years. I think if I have that correctly, and he's only converted eight of them. Like he's had it like he like he's just he's due for a lot of positive regression in the touchdown department. He's tied to an elite QB in an elite offense heading to his prime at 27 after just getting a big payday and coming off the best season of his career. Mike Williams is a smash right now where he's going. I were massive Mike will advocates. And if you don't believe anything Alex just said, uh, just go look at the game log with the season on the line versus the Raiders, 17 targets. And that when, when the, when the season is on the line, Mike will was the guy they're going to uh, big Mike will advocates. It has to be one of the best values you can get this year. Darren Waller, Cortland Sutton, Chris Godwin, Tyler. I, I were you hoping for Cortland Sutton there? I was hoping for either Cortland Sutton or Chris Godwin. (laughs) But then I remembered that there is another wide receiver out there that if it, if Keenan Allen is not Mr. Consistent, Brandon cooks is Mr. Consistent. And love that getting him as my flex. I I'm, I'm in love with where my wide receivers are at right now. Yeah, that's I brand. I, I love drafting Brandon Cooks in literally every single draft possible. Um, six thousand yard season, six top twenty finishes in seven years in the league. One year he didn't. He was well injured, so he couldn't do that. It'd probably be seven for seven uh, if he were playing that season. I'm in a pickle because this is me like. <laughs> I've been doing too many best ball drafts where I really want to just grab Joe Burrow and stack him with T Higgins here. Um, but I, I, Joe Burrow is, I'm not as high on Joe Burrow as everybody else is. 
I don't TJ Hawkinson or Dalton Schultz don't really do anything for me. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to grab another wide receiver. I'm going to shore up on some depth there because I already know who my next pick is going to be. And I'm going to have to reach down the board to get him because I'm just such a firm believer. Ah, the hype on camp has got me going on, on Allen Robinson. Um, he's not a guy that I've taken too often in drafts, but he's reports have been coming out that he's been really impressive in camp so far. And you look at what Robert Woods was able to do before his injury last season. Uh, I believe he was the wide receiver eight in fantasy. Um, I, I don't recall if that's the correct number, but uh, Robert Woods was still putting up numbers for this Los Angeles Rams offense. Uh, and you get a guy who they now are paying they, they paid a bag to get this guy, right? Like they didn't just sign him to a vet man. Like they want to get him involved in this offense. This offense is going to be dynamic, high scoring again. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm creeping up on Allen Robinson. I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm starting to become more in on him as um, the off season goes on. And look, you can call me crazy for, for reaching. Oh no. Amari Cooper, Miles Sanders, Damian Harris, <laughs> Kareem Hunt. That's who I wanted. I want a Kareem Hunt with my next pick. Oh, that's infuriating. That's infuriating. He was a ways down too. That's why I thought I could get him on the come around. Oh, that's that's frustrating. These darn bots sniping us. Uh, I've got 50 seconds to make my... Now I'm, I'm just rattled. I'm rattled at this point. Uh, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to take another wide receiver, but I, I've already got three that I can play there. I'm going to wait on quarterback. I'm going to take AJ Dillon here just to grab another depth piece. Um, Tyler, you did a great thread the other day on numbers that you expect to increase this upcoming season. He only had five rushing touchdowns last year. Uh, fully expecting that number to come up around the goal line. Now that you don't have the red zone threat in Devonte Adams, uh, AJ Dillon started to, to come on at the end of last season. Um, he was putting up running back two numbers from week 12 on last year. So uh, he's, in my opinion, a, a more surefire thing. He doesn't have a ton of upside, but when I'm looking for depth at this point on my team, I feel like AJ Dillon is a surefire thing. And I'll, I'll take that as my running back three behind both DeAndre Swift uh, and Brees Hall. Joe Burrow, Marquise Brown, Jalen Hurts, Adam Thielen, Tyler, oh, excuse me, Tyler, back to you now. Yeah, I'm going to grab my running back three as well. And I'm, I'm, really going down the board for this one i am gonna grab rashad penny Ooh. and oh i'm i'm banking on the <laughs> I, i'm uh, so sorry after the both of us <laughs> um no i i'm buying into the hype that rashad penny is gonna be like lead back until kenneth kenneth walker sees some sort of breakthrough right like I'm going to buy into that. And I know that he's not, it may not be a whole season thing, but I'm going to bank on flipping him later for somebody that I feel more confident in a couple weeks into the season or something like that. There's been some interesting statistics coming out on, on um, Ken Walker and why he could be more of a, a real deal this season. Uh, I believe running backs who are second round and, and give it the, I'm trying to pull up, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. There, there, there's some numbers that came out that that showed that um, Ken Walker could be more of a threat this year. But I'm also like none of those running backs or none of the running backs associated with Ken Walker in that thread uh, were in a Pete Carroll offense where he's just Mister Traditional 
let me give my guy who I trust the most touches. Um, so I, I don't mind Rashad Penny there. TJ Hawkinson, Michael Thomas. Alex, I'm guessing you really wanted Amon Ra based on your reaction there. Or Michael Thomas. Uh, I saw him <laughs> back to back. I was like, okay, just give me one of those guys, especially Amon Ra. I was, when I said, Mike, I'm disappointed I'm drafting Mike Williams because I wanted someone else, it was Amon Ra. Yeah. Uh, he, I actually, do I, do I say it on this podcast? I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm like very heavily debating making Amon Ra my flag plant this year. Oh, like, like, like I, I, I've prided myself my flag plants. Like my last three have been Calvin Ridley, Chris Godwin, and Jalen Hurts, and I'm very proud of those. And like, oh, and then uh, sorry, and then not Jalen Hurts. It was DeAndre Swift last year. My bad, not Jalen Hurts. Um, but like, I really just fully believe in Amon Ra. Like, like you guys wouldn't believe, and I think every metric, stat, team report, like I've read just like has me all in to the moon on Amon Ra St. Brown this year. Uh, we absolutely so. love Amon Ra. Uh, well, I love Amon Ra. Tyler loves Amon Ra. Uh, did you mean to take Rashad Bateman there? Sorry, I need to clarify. Yes, Okay, I did. perfect. All right, go ahead. Tell us about I'm like, I saw the time was winding down, and I wasn't you sure did. if that was auto-draft or not. Just wanted to make sure. No, no, no. Rashad Bateman is someone I really like. I think these second-year wide receivers, like I, I actually like more of an Elijah Moore guy, but I think that – this is where I've made the mistake year after year in fantasy football. And I would encourage others not to make the same mistake where in year two, um, I'd be making the Terry McLaurin mistake again, where I, I love Terry McLaurin, the talent. I love Elijah Moore, the talent. And I think that he has the absolute ceiling to be like a top 12 wide receiver, but his quarterback play is going to kill him. It's the same thing with Terry McLaurin every year where he gets drafted higher than he should. And the quarterback play takes him down. He's all the talent in the world. I see it in the world. And I made the same mistake like two years in a row where I'm so invested in, in Terry McLaurin, the talent, that I think the quarterback play will make up for it. But if you go back and look at the top 12 wide receivers last year, like who, where they finished in fantasy football, and you say who were their quarterbacks, like every single one was tied to a good offense or a good quarterback except Deontay Johnson. Yeah. And, and like that, that's it. Unless they're getting that crazy, insane, like 160 targets, like the guys that finish are tied to good quarterbacks. And I think that Rashad Bateman is tied to a good quarterback and Lamar Jackson, you know, Hollywood Brown's 25% target share is gone. And Rashad Bateman, after coming off core muscle surgery, like literally commanded a 16% target share after having no training camp, no first six weeks of the season, and then came and still commanded when there was two guys in the offense commanding over 25% of the targets. And he was much better in games with Lamar Jackson than he was with games with Tyler Huntley. And I think that he's going to take a big step in in uh, year two. And these year two wide receivers are the guys that I'm going to target, especially these guys that are tied to good quarterbacks at this range. If Cameron were on the podcast right now, he'd be jumping for joy. He is the biggest Rashad Bateman advocate out of the three of us. Shout out to him. No, we, we big, big Rashad Bateman fans. I mean, and especially when you're looking at J.K. Dobbins, potentially starting the season on the pup list too. Um, we'll, we'll see about Gus Edwards, but at least from the get go, this offense might have to rely more on the past, similar to what they did last year too. Uh, I'll resume it back up here. Who are you thinking with uh, your next pick on the turn? I gotta go. I gotta go with one of my other two, my guys, and trade <laughs> Trey Lance. I, I, I don't love think he was that. gonna last much longer, but like I, I legitimately, in between Amon Ra and Trey Lance for my flag plant this year, like those are the two guys. And I don't know who I'm ultimately going to come up with as my final flag plant, but like Amon Ra is literally going to—I'm not going to—but I think in the range of outcomes to just be Jalen Hurts on steroids. 
Like Jalen Hurts was the QB one before he got hurt last year for the first 11 weeks out of 17 until he hurt his ankle and had a high ankle sprain. And then Trey Lance has like better weapons than anybody that, that Jalen Hurts had last year. Like I would argue that even Brandon Ayuk last year was better than De- like Devontae Smith was. And then you had George Kittle and Debo Samuel and the rushing upside where Trey Lance averaged like 10 rush attempts per game in his three starts, albeit. Like this guy could go to the absolute moon. And here's here's the other thing that I want to say on Trey Lance real quick that is very, very important that I missed yep. is look at Lamar Jackson's year where he broke out. Look at Patrick Mahomes' year where they broke out. Two things that those guys had in common was everyone around the team was like, these guys are amazing. You could look back at the old reports. I can send you a couple tweets. Like all the people around the team were saying that these guys are just going to go nuts. And all people have been saying about Trey Lance all, all season around the team, these teammates, coaches, beat reporters have been like, this guy is just insane and he's going to go ridiculous. Of course, there are a couple negative reports like arm fatigue and things like that. But like, I, I don't know. I think my flag plant's going to have to be Trey Lance. Like everything in the world is pointing to him having a breakout season and every one of his teammates, reporters, everything like that seem to think that this guy is just going to go nuclear this year. Mostly because I just want to hear your justification. We're in, I, I mentioned this on the podcast a few times. Tyler knows exactly where I'm going with this. We're in a dynasty startup last year. I took Trey Lance ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Was I crazy for doing that? Uh, in, in fantasy football, no. Okay, perfect. In, All right. In, in, in fantasy <laughs> football, people. In real life, yeah. Yeah, yeah, in, right. In fantasy football, I'm, I'm taking Trey Lance there. Yeah. Like if it's a super flex league, maybe not. Cause I, I think that's a little bit tougher because then you have two quarterbacks and you need someone that you know is going to be starting for a lot of years. But in a one QB dynasty league, like you want to go for the guys that just have nuclear upside, like Trey Lance, especially with the weapons. Cause if you look at, you know, all these running quarterbacks, like, you know, whether it's Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen or these guys that run a lot, like I think Trey Lance is the best weapons out of all those guys. And you saw everyone saw what Jalen Hurts did last year and you know, that there's someone listening to this podcast right now that was dogging Jalen Hurts why he didn't <laughs> draft him because he was a terrible passer. <laughs> if Trey yeah. Lance even averages a passer, these running quarterbacks are cheat codes. Let me give you two more stats real quick on yep, that. Drop them. Since in the last 10 years, 92% of quarterbacks that averaged that had 125 carries, which is about seven per game, were top 10 QBs in fantasy football. I would a better stat. Over the last, since 2011, 22 quarterbacks have averaged four and a half rush attempts per game. Just four and a half. That's it. That's not that many. 19 of those 22 were top eight quarterbacks in points per game. Points per game. Can I, can I, give, you the list of the, can I give you the list of the three that didn't do it? Yeah. Three. 2012, Tim Tebow. 2014, Colin Kaepernick. 2020, Cam Newton. All those guys weren't good quarterbacks. All those guys had bad weapons. Trey Lance just needs to be better than those guys. And he's pretty much an automatic top eight quarterback. And then he also has like the best weapons of almost anyone in the national football league. Yeah. Like this guy is literally about to set the world on fire in fantasy football. And, and people are still just like not sold. I, I don't know how people can't be sold. Every argument I hear against Trey Lance, I just throw my hands in the air. It's a bad passer. Right. Like that means nothing to me because I don't expect him to be Tom Brady. I don't expect him to be Matthew Stafford. I don't expect him to be shoot Patrick, like Patrick Mahomes, even though he's a bit more mobile, right? Like if you, if you got legs, if you got wheels, I want you on my team for fantasy football. That's, that's the bottom line. 
And and the other thing though is like the the last argument that people always make against Trey Lance is they're going to be like, oh well, this this team loves to run the ball and they could run the ball more. Well, like the Eagles like led the team like led sorry led the <laughs> right. they lead the NFL in rush attempts last year, where Jalen Hurts was literally the QB one before he got hurt like because of his high ankle sprain. Like even like Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts was a top eight QB. Like and that's the other thing. If you want to fade Trey Lance, every metric that we're talking about says at his floor he's a top eight QB. If he yeah. stays healthy this year, but his ceiling with his good weapons and his rushing upside. And if he happens to be a decent or even good passer is like, he breaks fantasy football this year. We've seen it one more. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, go four, 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 four years in a row. Now this will be the fourth year in a row that we see a second year rushing quarterback destroy in fantasy football. 2019 Lamar Jackson, 2020 Kyler Murray, 2021 Jalen hurts every year, a second year running quarterback in the nfl 2022 is going to be trey lance people like if you don't draft him you're going to regret it oh but he he redshirted his first year yeah i don't care so did patrick <laughs> mahomes he turned out just fine <laughs> dak prescott dalton schultz Clyde Edwards-Uler. thank you for putting on a trey lance master class i uh i needed that in my life and i didn't realize it uh tyler you're on the clock here what are you thinking I'm going to build up some more depth at wide receiver. And there's one guy that I, I get, it's not the most exciting offense that he's in, but the man finishes a wide receiver 23 last year. And he's going in like the thirties this year. That's Darnell Mooney. And I'm going to just read off some stats from the last, Oh, six, seven games at the end of last year. He had two games with 16 targets. He had one game with 13 targets. He had three, four finishes over 15 points. And then he put up 11 and 10 in, in then a couple single digit games. But the thing with Darnell Moody getting him in the seventh round is that he's the wide receiver one in that bears offense. And I know it may not be the most efficient and it may not be the most consistent production that you get from Darnell Mooney, but getting a wide receiver one in any team's offense as your wide receiver four, I I think that's great value, and I love now having the flexibility to move my roster around a little bit. Well, that's the nice thing about Mooney is that you don't need to bank on him seeing 16 targets every single week because you have Keenan Allen, you have upside DJ Moore, you have Mr. Consistent Brandon Cooks. Mooney is a depth piece for you at this point who could be, you know, volume machine this year and kind of volumes his way to another you know top 25 finish i don't think that's otherworldly to assume i like that pick ken walker drake london trey lundberg's cordero patterson i think i have to there's one guy sitting on the board and i think i just have to take him because i have three wide receivers i can bank on them before this guy returns. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is sitting here. I don't like to get him in the seventh round when I have three wide receivers, I can play ahead of him before he returns this upcoming season. Like I know they just brought in Hollywood and I understand, um, you know, things are going to be different there because Hollywood is better than Christian Kirk, but I don't know. At the end of the day, I want the guy who catches touchdowns and DeAndre Hopkins catches a lot of touchdowns. That's my hashtag analysis on DeAndre Hopkins. He's a really good football player. Um, I'll take him in, in a dynamic offense with, with Kyler Murray compared to some of the other guys that are left on the board. 
uh, at wide receiver. I'm not going to wait any longer on quarterback. Uh, I'm going to grab the GOAT, Tom Brady, to shore up the quarterback position here. Um, top five quarterback last year. Uh, I mean, the guy just added – I know Julio Jones is a bit fragile, I'll say. Uh, so I understand he's not the most reliable thing in the world. But by the time you get Mike Evans, by the time you still have Leonard Fournette who could catch passes, they also added an extremely good pass catching back in this offense from the draft this year in Rashad White. Uh, he's getting a lot of buzz and hype recently. Tom Brady just has too many weapons around him, and he's just still too good at the ripe age of 45 um, to not put up another top 10 season. So to wait on quarterback and build up that kind of depth on my team, to me, is invaluable. That's invaluable to me. So I am happy to snag Tom Brady in, in the seventh round there as my quarterback. Gabriel Davis, Tony Pollard, Elijah Moore, Tyler Lockett. Tyler, back to you. I'm surprised you didn't go Stafford and go for uh, Allen Robinson Stafford stack. I don't know if Robinson is going to be in my lineup enough. Sure. Like sure. I could, he could flip around with DeAndre Hopkins once he gets back and I'd, I'd rather have Tom Brady. I'm going to take a dart throw at a tight end here. And I mean, cause it's really like the top five or six tight ends are like guys that you should really go after if you want positional advantage. And then after that, it's kind of, again, just a dart throw, but Dallas Goddard at this point, like who knows what this Philly offense is going to look like now with AJ Brown. But if anything from based off of last year is that they very much see Dallas Goddard as a big part of their offense. And I don't know. I just, in the eighth round, grabbing a tight end like Dallas Goddard, I think it makes sense a little. I think it makes sense. When the tight ends are dwindling down, you just kind of have to take them as they come because you never know who's going to try and snag another one immediately afterwards. Devonta Smith, James Cook, Chase Claypool. Alex, I really like your pick here. Yeah, yeah, Cole Komet. So I, I just took Cole Komet, and I, I think Cole Komet is – is, I mean, he's one of my. He's probably going to be my my guy at, at the tight end position. Probably won't be one of my overall three my guys, but at least at the tight end position, he's definitely someone I want to be going for. Because I mean, he was eighth in the NFL in targets last year. The Bears now have forty one percent of their targets up for grabs, including fifty percent inside the ten yard line. Like he could literally see top five volume in his position. And I know that there's people listening that are like, "Well, Alex, like Cole Komet didn't have a touchdown last year." Well, you're right, but. He also had a 19.7% red zone target share. He was already seeing a fifth of the red zone targets, and now 40% of their targets are gone, including 50% inside the 10-yard line. And like he's a tight end, you know, and I guess this offense is supposed to favor these tight ends and his role from what we've been hearing about this new Luke Getze offense. So he's already eighth in the NFL in targets. You know, he's about to go into his third season, I believe, in the NFL now. Like he's going to be improving, you know, every year, and he has no competition for targets. I am concerned because the like the volume thing is great, but how many touchdowns is the offense going to score? I think that's the hard part here. But I think that anytime you can get a tight end that is almost a lock or has a very extremely good shot at getting a hundred targets, that's the guy I want to be drafting. Especially if you can get a tight end that's getting a hundred plus targets outside the top ten, that's the exact guy that you want to be going for in drafts. Yeah, and with Cole Komet, too, I mean, you don't have Jimmy Graham there hogging touchdowns anymore. Like, their touchdown yeah. ratio over the past two years it was like 11 for Jimmy Graham to two for Cole Komet. Uh, and Jimmy Graham's gone, you know, toast. They didn't bring any other tight end back besides Komet. So I, I love I love Komet this year, yeah, but I do agree. I think it is the how much are they going to be in 
scoring position, but he could just, just, you know, kind of disgusting volume his way to a top 10 finish. Somebody does at the position every single year. Um, and in a 12 team, you, you want one of those guys and Cole could easily be that guy. Your next pick. I, I I'm, I'm interested to hear about your next pick. Yeah. So I took sky more with my, with my next pick. And again, like I already have Michael Pittman, Mike Williams, you know, Rashad Bateman, who I think are all going to be solid and get a lot of targets, but sky more is the perfect kind of target for, for what my team build is right now looking like, because I have a lot of upside and some consistency kind of mixed together, you know, throughout my positions with the running backs I have and the wide receivers I have. And sky more is a perfect pick because he's tied to an elite offense. And like I talked about, like the best players, if you look at the top 12 or top 24, are always coming from good offenses or they have a much better chance to finish there if they're coming from a good offense than a bad offense overall. And then Sky Moore was the number one rookie out of any wide receiver to in this draft class over Drake London, over Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, all these guys at beating zone coverage, number two rookie in beating man coverage. So he's always getting open. And then he's tied to the best quarterback that is living on this earth right now in terms of like actual like NFL ability. Yep. And his competition for targets is not a lot. The Chiefs have about 50% of their targets up for grabs this year yeah. with Tyreek Hill gone and some other guys gone. And like, yes, I get that MVS is there. I know Juju is there, but this gives Sky Moore a real opportunity to take a big portion of this offense very early on. So if he is a good player, he has a chance to get a lot of volume in an offense that where he's tied to the best quarterback in the NFL. And those are the exact kind of players I want to be targeting in the late rounds of my drafts that have a good shot at getting a lot of targets and are tied to a good quarterback and a great offense. So, so let me ask you this then, would you in fantasy drafts? So you would rather take sky more in fantasy drafts than Juju Smith Schuster. Oh, that's is Juju Juju already gone. I don't, I've gone back and forth. So right now yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on sky more, but I've also been hearing that out of, you know, two days of camp so far that <laughs> Juju's been making a ton of plays, even though this is sky Moore's first time on an NFL football field. Right. So I go back and forth, but the guy that I want to lean on is Sky Moore here. If I'm deciding between those two, depending on my team build, if I need someone that I know is probably going to get me a few more points every week and I need someone that's a little bit safer, if I'm going for some risky wide receivers early on, I'll probably take Juju because he feels like someone that is more likely to get you know consistent volume and put up consistent points. But if my team has some safety and I believe in the guys that I have early on and I need a, I can go for a little bit more risk and upside, I'm going for Sky Moore because Sky Moore has a lot more upside that I can get later in my drafts than Juju does. So it kind of depends on my team build of whether I'm choosing between those two players. Yeah, no, that, that makes, and that makes total sense. Um, I don't, the Chiefs wide receiver room is just so up in the air. And I think just because Sky Moore is a rookie, I don't think that means we should just discount him in that dynamic offense. I mean, Andy Reid will put him to use. Like, like Andy Reid, if you're good in an Andy Reid offense, he will use you. There's no two ways about it. So, no, I, I like that pick there. Devin Singletary, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Tyler in the ninth round. Yeah, uh, time to grab my quarterback. And <laughs> um, it comes down to Rodgers and Stafford. And I I feel way way better about Stafford than Rodgers this year there's that's just that's the only explanation I can give it yeah I'm with that sorry I got sniped <laughs> Zach Ertz no I was so hoping when I kept seeing Zach Ertz fall I was so hoping he would fall all the way back to me oh uh, you know, and at this point, I, I don't want to punt too much further on tight end, but I think I am going to punt another round yet because uh, Alex was talking about uh, 
actually, you know what? No, one of my favorite players is still on the board. I uh, I had to scroll down just a fraction. I'm going to take Christian Kirk. Wide receiver one in a Jacksonville offense. I think it is going to be an improved offense this year. I mean, you look at Christian Kirk's involvement in the Arizona Cardinals passing game last year, right? He took 84% of his snaps from the slot. I mean, I'm not trying to sit here and tell you that the Jacksonville Jaguars paid Christian Kirk the appropriate amount, right? Like we can laugh at his, you know, 15, 18 million dollars a year he's getting. But I mean, I you look at that coming into a Doug Peterson offense, which you know is going to try and help get Trevor Lawrence efficient and quick passes into playmakers' hands. I mean, in the ninth round to snag a wide receiver one in an offense to have as my wide receiver five, I'm I'm all for it. Um, I, I will gladly take, again, it's not a super high upside pick on Christian Kirk, but in a wide receiver, the Jacksonville Jaguars are still going to be a pass heavy team this year, right? They're going to get Travis Etienne involved. There's no question about that, but to get the wide receiver one in an offense that I think is still going to be pass heavy, that they paid out, that they went out and paid to make the wide receiver one. I will happily take Christian Kirk and the volume he will, he will likely be getting this year. Pat Fryermuth, Ronald Jones, Brandon Ayuk, Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, I don't know how much longer I want to punt on tight end. I could keep going. Um, I don't think I'm going to, though. I am going to take Mike Gesicki here. I'm really not all that in on him. Mostly best option available on the board and with, with Mike McDaniel in town. It wouldn't surprise me if they get creative with him on the outside, but I typically don't see him as like a 49ers style tight end. Not the best blocker in the world. Pretty much a, a, a glorified oversized wide receiver, but I, I, I best option available. That That's kind of where I was at at that point. Robert Woods, Christian Watson, Derek Carr, Michael Carter, Tyler in the 10th round now. I'm looking at two receivers. I'm looking at Alan Lazard and the guy that I will actually take. I'm going to take Darius Toney. I I think he fits the mold of that speedy, explosive playmaker that Dayball really wants to utilize in that offense. And I think Saquon is also a very similar type of player, right? Explosive and athletic. I'll just I'll take a piece and I'll take a flyer on on a guy like Kadarius Tony. So wide receiver five. I mean, he has tremendous upside this year. I mean, t- Tony is the real deal. Okay, like that man, when he gets the ball in his hands, he is dynamite. He's lightning. He will make plays. It's just a matter of will the ball get into his hands. And I'd like to think Dable would would make use of efficient passes for Daniel Jones, similar that he did to to Josh Allen over in Buffalo. Not to make a direct Daniel Jones Josh Allen comparison, but similar similar style. Alan Lazard, Damian Pierce, Russell like Gage, it. Alex took a running back here. Yeah, so I, I took Kenneth Gainwell here. Uh, I'm I'm someone that's that's very excited about Kenneth Gainwell, and and here's why. So for one, like I think that this is an ambiguous backfield. I know this is a anti Miles Sanders podcast. Word, <laughs> like, Miles Sanders himself said like don't draft him, and I think that's actually pretty relevant. I've also heard reports that Kenneth Gainwell bulked up, and here's the other thing. For one, he's a the pass catching running back of this offense. And there is not a clear lead running back as a rusher. So Kenneth Gainwell is already the pass catcher, has an opportunity to be the lead running back. And if Miles Sanders is saying don't draft him, it probably means it's someone else. And I don't really think it's going to be Boston Scott is going to be the guy that's going to be the lead runner, which opens the door for Kenneth Gainwell. 
So late in your this late in your draft, when you could guy get a guy that's going to be the running back one that catches passes on an elite offense in the NFL. And then if you look at the 2021 leaders in fantasy points per touch, you're saying, oh my goodness, why am I not drafting Kenneth Gainwell? Here are the top seven last year in fantasy points per touch. Austin Eckler, Kenneth Gainwell, Cordero Patterson, Kareem Hunt, James Conner, Aaron Jones, Leonard Fournette. Who's the player that probably doesn't belong in that list? Kenneth Gainwell. Who's the player with the least touches on that list? Kenneth Gainwell. Which means that there's a lot of upside there. He had a number that was that was actually close to where DeAndre Swift was his rookie year. Like he he was actually right there with DeAndre Swift, and the only players with a higher fantasy points per touch in their rookie year were DeAndre Swift, Christian McCaffrey, David Johnson, and Alvin Kamara. Pretty pretty solid list of players to be named among in fantasy points per touch. I know Kenneth Gainwell only had around 100 touches, so the small sample size doesn't help. But again, the upside clearly is there with every part of that pick. Yeah, 100%. Again, when you're, especially when you have three guys, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Javante, yep. you can punt on running back for the rest of your draft and get to this point and take just high upside guys like Kenneth Gainwell. I love that. What are you thinking with uh, your second pick on the turn here? Yeah, my, my second pick on the turn here is a. Uh, Oh, I, I might have just um, – Am I did I just auto-pick? No, I didn't. I didn't. No, Sorry, you're good. I, I, I auto-picked for a second. <laughs> um, so I, I'm having a tough time of who to go with here because I've seen some pretty interesting guys go off the board, so I'm not exactly sure where I want to go. But I think that – I don't even know. I'm, I'm really struggling because I want to go wide receiver. I have four wide receivers. I have four running backs. And there's some wide receivers that are interesting. I think Rondale Moore is interesting. I think Jacoby Myers is interesting. Tim Patrick is interesting. But I think the guy that I'm probably going to go with is Jacoby Myers. Uh, I think Jacoby Myers is the is the the pick here. I'm a little bit scared because, you know, Devontae Parker has been playing really well in training camp. But Jacoby Myers is a former QB, and he really understands these route concepts that players look for and how to get open. He's improved all three years of his career. His targets have gone up all three years of his career. The touchdowns, you know, haven't been there, but he had 51 more targets than any other player in the Patriots last year. And now he's still getting better going into his fourth year, which with which should be an improved him, an improved Mac Jones, and an improved offense. So why not get Jacoby Myers when you can get a guy, once again, this late, that could literally lead his team in targets once again with upside I, for a lot more? Oh, absolutely. I wish I had the, the – I literally posted a thread about this on, on Twitter. Jacoby Myers was – he, he was if he wasn't top 25 he was top 30 in red zone targets still like for a guy who's a slot wide receiver and only scored two touchdowns last year i believe he had 15 red zone targets to only convert on uh two out of 15 I, it's unlucky it's unlucky it is truly unlucky so no i i love jacoby myers this late in the draft uh jameson williams alexander madison james robinson tyler on the clock you i i know who you wanted here <laughs> I just I have no words. Um, man, you're going after James Robinson, weren't you? Yeah, I was because I'm not sold on ETN like at all, and it's not because I don't doubt the talent that ETN has. It's just the system that he's going into. Like it just, I don't know. I wanted James Robinson. <laughs> um, ah, man. I'll take Rondale Moore here as my final wide receiver. I like the I, I'm seeing the reports of a bigger role just because there is no Christian Kirk now. I'll take a shot. I'll take a flyer on it. That's about it. 
Nah, it's about where you go with Rondale at this point. And with DeAndre Hopkins missing for six weeks, I mean, there's going to be an opportunity for an increased role there. We'll see if the route tree changes and his ADOT isn't isn't insanely, insanely low behind the scrimmage this year. Uh, Isaiah Spiller, Michael Gallup, Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields. Uh, I've already got five wide receivers. I'm really not looking to add another wide receiver at this point. And typically I don't draft two tight ends, but when I've punted on tight end for this long, I really want the extra insurance. And there's some running backs I'm eyeing in the next round that I think will probably fall back to me. So I'm going to take the touchdown upside with Hunter Henry here. Um, I mean, the man had eight plus touchdowns last season, uh, clearly a favorite of Mac Jones in the red zone. I will, I, I, I will lean for touchdown upside with Hunter Henry Tua Tagovailoa, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Tyler Boyd, Rashad White. Rashad White was one that I was sneaky hoping would fall back to me. Uh, but in the last round here, um, swinging for for upside at running back. I only have three on my roster. But, I mean, I feel so confident in Swift, Brees Hall, and A.J. Dillon. And I have good depth at wide receiver where, you know, I, I'd feel I never want to draft to trade. But I like the depth I have where if I need to go snag another wide receiver, I can move on from a – an Allen Robinson, a DeAndre Hopkins, if, you know, once he comes back and I really need another wide receiver. I'm going to go just, it's half PPR. I'm going to go pass catching upside. I'm going to go Naeem Hines here. Now that you get Matt Ryan in this offense, who is more likely to check down to the running back than Carson Wentz ever was. Um, Frank Reich even said, you know, Naeem Hines targeted him in fantasy drafts. And I, that's probably mostly just coach speak, but I'll put a grain of salt in it to get Naeem Hines late in this round and, God forbid, I never want anything to happen to Jonathan Taylor. I never, never wish injury upon somebody. But at this point in the draft, if something were to happen, right, we're looking at like Daryl Henderson went afterwards. If Cam Akers still isn't up to par, at what point does Daryl Henderson become relevant, right? So at this point, the depth I'll take is PPR upside and and um, roster a handcuff of some kind potentially. Maybe not for my own team, but for somebody else with a talented running back early on. Daryl Henderson, Albert Aquignabom, Jahan Dotson, Irv Smith, Tyler. Last pick in the draft, who are you going with? I need another running back because I also have three running backs still, and I'm going to grab Tyler Algier. Who knows when he begins to see the field because there was a report from The Athletic the other day that was like, if he can prove during camp, you know, that, you know, he is as physical as he was in college and whatnot, that like he'll see the field sooner rather than later. Uh, to me, it, it sounds like there's a plan for Algier to see the field one way or another. It's just a matter of when, right? And I, I, I think in just a bad offense that Atlanta will be this year, they'll just try to use anyone and everyone. So I'll take a shot on Algier. Downhill bruising back, which, I mean, the first name you associate in an Arthur Smith offense is Derrick Henry. That is not a direct comparison, but who is in Tyler Algier's way? An old Cordero Patterson and Damian Williams. I'm over, not not too concerned about that backfield there. I think Tyler Algier could be a sneaky good late round pick this year. We'll take that one step further with Patterson and, and Damian Williams. Beyond them being old, I think I would mention that like they literally have each had more than a hundred touches. A hundred. That's yeah. it. Like, that's that's way less than ten a game. They've only hit that once in their careers each. Patterson's done it once in nine seasons, and I think Damian Williams done it once in eight. Like, even if you believe in Cordero Patterson, like, again, he's 31 years old and he's had over 100 touches once in nine seasons. We would all love to see Cordero Patterson get 400 touches, but 
you know, it's not the world that we live in. Yeah. Well, and, and you had posted a great, uh, it was a great tweet on that. I think I used that in the thread when saying you should target Tyler Algier later in drafts of just that depth chart um, and, and how much it probably does favor Tyler Algier. Uh, that was, that was a great post that you put out there. Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, George Pickens, and Alex to wrap up the draft. Yeah, so I, I took KJ Osborne with my final pick in, in the draft. And I'm really it's not even more of a matter of me high on KJ Osborne. It's again, what like what can I get for upside on this team with how it's currently built? Because I have wide receivers like Michael Pittman, Mike Williams, Rashad Bateman, Sky Moore, Jacoby Myers, we're all great. So I want to go for someone that has a lot of upside and a big offense. I'm not a huge believer in Adam Thielen's health at this point and where he might look like coming off ankle surgery in his age 33 season. He could still be fantastic, but even if he's not, like if Adam Thielen is still there, KJ Osborne can still really thrive. Because did you guys know that? So Kevin O'Connell has taken over this offense for the Vikings. Van Jefferson had the 16th most routes <laughs> run in the NFL last year. And KJ Osborne was 32nd. So if they run these three wide receiver sets more, it's going to be KJ Osborne who's, who's going to be in. And KJ Osborne was a top 40 wide receiver last year. And then you add in the fact that he's going to be better, you know, going into his third year. This team is going to be running a lot more three wide receiver sets, which means that he's going to be running a lot more routes, which could mean more targets. Like things are all pointing up for KJ Osborne. And especially when he's tied into a really good offense that has some really good players like that, that has some potential for a lot of points. So, you know, it, it's tough because I go back and forth. You'd be targeting teams that have, you know, clear path to targets, wide receiver ones. But I think I'm kind of going the opposite here of a guy that I know is probably going to be top 15 in the NFL and routes run that I can get outside the top 50 wide receivers. Like in that, that volume of routes run could lead to a lot more targets there. You're singing that's music to our ears, Minnesota Vikings fans. We're all in Minnesota here. So you are singing oh. music to our ears, man. We're, we're excited for this season. And I KJ Osborne, Upside is all there, right? And like you said, top top 40 wide receiver last year, and you can get that 12th round of your fantasy drafts in now a better, more favorable offense towards his style of play. So absolutely, absolutely love that analysis there. That wraps out our draft here. Uh, let's quick run through the teams here to close out the podcast. We'll get to uh, a few final thoughts and, and plugs as well. Uh, Alex, why don't you quick run through your team here uh, for the people one more time? Yeah, so – if, if, for those who don't remember, I had I took three running backs to start my draft. I had Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Javante Williams. I wanted to set the foundation of that team on those three guys. And then after that, I followed that up with three wide receivers. I went Michael Pittman, who I think is safe. He was a top 20 wide receiver last year. He's only going to get better with a more accurate quarterback, not a lot of target competition. I went with Mike Williams, who just got a big payday, is heading into his prime, and has already been a wide receiver one last year to follow with him at wide receiver two. And then I went for Rashad Bateman, who I think was my upside wide receiver that I was drafting after that, that I think can take a big step forward in this Ravens offense that, you know, where Devin Duvernay is probably like the number two wide receiver or James Prochet. So I think there's a lot of targets available for Rashad Bateman to be able to go get. And I went with probably who's going to end up as my guy overall this season in Trey Lance. Again, the rushing upside, we talked about of how amazing that he's going to be. I followed that up by taking my first tight end in Cole Komet, who I think could see top five volume in the position. And that's exactly what you want to target after the first tight ends go off the board. And then after that, I went with some players that I think have an immense amount of upside this year. I started with Sky Moore playing in the Chiefs offense with Patrick Mahomes. 
guy that gets open at will in college and I think could do the same in the NFL. I grabbed Kenneth Gainwell, again, a pass catcher in a great offense that has the opportunity to be the running back one on that team. And then I followed that up with my final two picks in Jacoby Myers, who I got outside the top 40 wide receivers that could lead his team in targets. And then KJ Osborne, who's going to be running as many routes as almost any player in the National Football League this year, playing an elite offense with a really great quarterback. I think these are all guys that have a lot of upside, but are also safe in their positions with a lot more of what they can do this year. So I, I love the team that I drafted. I would agree. Uh, for going three running backs right away, if I could have my team fall exactly the way yours did, I that would be a dream. So there you go. Alex just put on a masterclass of how to draft. Uh, if you go three running backs right away, if you want to try something new in fantasy football this year, here's a model for you to follow. Tyler, what about your team? Let's, uh, let's run through your team quick. Yeah, so I started off two running backs. Um, I know I mentioned I wanted to go Jefferson, but I, I have done that before. Wanted to try something new. So grab Najee Harris and then Aaron Jones in the second, and I like it because I've got two projected uh, top 10 running backs of mine. So I'm sitting, I'm sitting pretty with the running backs, and then I follow it up with three straight wide receivers, Keenan Allen, DJ Moore, and Brandon Cooks. Keenan Allen and Brandon Cooks, two of the safest wide receivers you can get in fantasy drafts. DJ Moore is just a volume hog. Maybe he turns in some touchdown production. We'll see. Uh, and then I, I reached down the board a little bit on Rashad Penny. And uh, there's a lot of question marks with, with Rashad Penny, but I again, I'm just banking on the, the idea and the reports that he's going to be the lead guy at the beginning of the season. Then I went with Darnell Mooney and grabbed Dallas Goddard. Um, just depth pieces, or it was a depth piece with Darnell Mooney. Dallas Goddard just needed a tight end. Then I went with, uh, let's see, Matt Stafford. Grabbed my quarterback late, and I love the value there in the ninth. And then finished it up with Kadarius Tony, Rondale Moore, and uh, Tyler Algier. Guys that I think can they have upside for days, and uh, that's what I was looking for in the late rounds. Yeah, late rounds got to shoot for upside. Hundred percent agree. Run through my team quick. DeAndre Swift in the first round at the one ten. I just love the value you can get on Swift this year. I probably didn't. I'm glad I took him at the one ten. But if you're in a ten man league and you have like pick nine, eight or nine, like you could draft a wide receiver early and get DeAndre Swift on the come around in the second round, and that just blows my mind uh, for a guy who has running back uh, overall running back one upside in his range of outcomes this year. And I mean, you, you heard the stat Alex listed earlier. It's Najee, it's DeAndre Swift, it's Saquon Barkley who fits that mold, right? So uh, I absolutely love getting DeAndre Swift. Then getting Stefan Diggs, a top five wide receiver. T. Higgins, who has a ton of upside, could be a top 10 wide receiver this year in my eyes. Love the upside in Brees Hall, all the success that, that's uh, been with rookie running backs in the past. Allen Robinson gets to a Los Angeles Rams offense at the pass happy. Well, been, reportedly been impressed by him so far. Get some safety in A.J. Dillon. DeAndre Hopkins as my wide receiver four. I'll happily sit on him and rotate him into my lineup after six weeks. Get Tom Brady the GOAT as my quarterback. Christian Kirk is another wide receiver depth piece. Waited probably too long for my liking on tight end, so decided to go Mike Kosicki and Hunter Henry back-to-back just so I have, you know, I, I have a bit more flexibility at the position there, and Hunter Henry just has touchdown upside as we saw last year. And then Naeem Hines in the last round for PPR upside. We'll be dropping, well, 
I should probably ask for Alex's consent first. If we drop your team on socials, Alex, can we uh, put it out there to see if we uh, who, who won in our fantasy draft here, if we went head-to-head? Oh, to head to head? Absolutely. I'm always up for the competition. The competition. So it fuels half of this podcast sometimes, I feel like. So, uh, no, we will throw these out on our socials. Uh, you all can go vote to who you think drafted the best team today. And that pretty much wraps it up. That's That's the episode... Uh, of the Fantasy Football Fells podcast here. But before we take off, Alex, I want to give you a minute or two here. Plug anything you want to. You have your own podcast. I'm sure you have all sorts of other deals you're working on too. Take it away. What do the, what do the people need to know about Alex Caruso and the Fresh Fantasy Podcast? Well, first of all, I appreciate you having me. It was a pleasure to talk fantasy football, get to mock draft, compete with you guys. I love everything you're building, and I'm just excited to be able to be here and be a part of it. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at Alex Caruso. I'm tweeting out threads or stats that you need to know every single day. You can find me on TikTok at Alex Caruso NFL. And if you also want to hear my stupid voice on a podcast and bring on some of the best guests in the industry, yeah. episode after episode, week after week, check out the Fresh Fantasy Podcast on your favorite platforms. But boys, fellas, rather, it's been a pleasure to be with you guys today. No, Alex, we're grateful you came on, man. And we can back everything you just said. Alex is pumping out. Uh, we love reading through your threads every single day. I mean, you're getting top-notch guys in the industry, man. Now, you're the Dave Kluge's, the Ian Harditz, is the, the, the excuse me, going to stumble over Ian's name. I mean, the people you're pulling in, man, it's incredible. So if, if you're listening to our podcast, you better be going and listening to the Fresh Fantasy podcast. Uh, we could sing praises about that all day long. That wraps out this episode of the Fantasy Football Fellas podcast. We'll drop our socials here quick to wrap out the episode. Uh, FF Fellas on Twitter, the FF Fellas on Instagram, Fantasy Football Fellas, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you over there. And again, go go follow everything of Alex's, man. He is pumping out great content for you all every single day. Thanks again for hopping on, Alex. We really appreciate your time. Uh, and for the rest of y'all listening to this podcast, we will see you all next week. Deuces. Deuces. Deuces.